Hi, and welcome to Psychotherapy with Jet Dunlap. This one, episode 17, has taken me a bit of time. And the reason for that is that uh, for the last nine days, I have been in the Eastern Sierra mountain range uh, up at Convict Lake, California, at about 7,800 feet above sea level. I say about, but that's uh, probably exactly what it is. And I found myself trying to do this show more than once, and at one point I actually did about 12 minutes of it, and it was so, I wouldn't say terrible. I think that it was good for a different show, good for a different audience, good for a different host. It was, I don't know, reflective. It was indicative of the environment. I am surrounded by 12,000-foot peaks. There are beautiful green aspen trees and pine trees. And if you hear in the background, you'll hear the river and the wind is blowing. It's just my idea of a perfect place. I was going to say heaven, but that's cliche. And I don't know if it's even the truth <laughs> because I have mixed ideas about what that is. But that's not, that's not the show, right? So I can't use this environment really to heighten the experience of what I talk about because, uh, by the way, let that serve as the intro because I'm right now on my laptop. I have my little blue microphone hidden between two pizza boxes surrounded by old shop rags to be able to make it so that you can hear this sound. I might actually put that in the show notes because it's worth looking at. So I couldn't do an intro, but I felt I still needed to talk to you and maybe there'd be something out here for me to talk about without making it a metaphor for something, right? Because when you're looking at something this beautiful and you're around a lot of family and friends and people are getting older and recently you had someone pass, you have a temptation to kind of go into the existential, I don't know, ness, existentialness of it all. But um, that's not the purpose as I see it uh, in what I do. There are plenty of other people out there who will go into that. There are poets. There are you know, a lot of people who are better. So when I first get up here, it's my wife and I, and we have to find a spot. We come in at 2 a.m. in our trailer and our um, off-road vehicle, the FJ Cruiser. And we're looking for a place. We find one. We set up camp really quickly at 2 a.m. Now, <laughs> we wanted to get started earlier, but uh, we had set up this really weird... I don't know, hitch system. For those of you excited by and informed in the world of hitches and trailers, you'll really like this part, you hitch fans. Um, Not the show with Will Smith where he helps people date and Kevin James. That's a different thing uh, entirely. That would not serve as a good system for towing vehicles. So we had this long hitch that we thought would be superior because the back tire of the FJ makes it a little long. And we get on the freeway. We're ready to go after three days of preparation and packing. Okay? Three days. Get on the road, and it looks like the trailer is going to pop off the road or flip. So we have to pull off the side of the road. A little nervous. We both see it in the rearview mirror. We pull off. We try and figure it out. We, we drive on service streets back to our house and have to start off at square one. We go down to a hardware store. We go to another hardware store. We can't find the parts we want. We buy a part that we don't want. We try and figure it out. We go on the internet. We're trying to troubleshoot, and it's getting really depressing. Because here we are pushing our time of arrival at our vacation that we anticipate all year round far back far further than we'd ever want. We had already left two days late, according to our schedule that was completely arbitrary and had no appointment. But still, you know humans, we had a plan. We're going against that plan. We didn't love it. So we're just running around. Tensions are high. We finally say, okay, well, we're going to weld. We're going to weld a piece to a new hitch. I mean, hell, on the instructions of the sway bar, sway bar, look that up. Anti-sway bar, hitches. Hitches, anti-sway bar. Anyway, look it up if you want to. We had to weld. It wouldn't come with a piece that we needed. So I said, ah, hell, there's a welding, you know, kind of a piece of welding equipment I've never used in my entire life at my uh, house that belongs to Gina's uncle. 
why don't I just learn how to weld? Talk about ambition, right? Like, uh, I've never done it. How hard can it be? I've soldered. So I go over to the welding machine that hasn't been used in about two years. Uh, I get her uncle to kind of show me the ropes. It's not working right. I have the little mask on. I'm afraid of blinding myself. I get a weld going. It's terrible. It doesn't work. It sets us back another two hours. Oh my God. Now it's nighttime. We still haven't gone. We end up throwing up a different kind of throwing up. We didn't throw up anything. No, I don't drink. We end up, I guess you could throw up if you don't drink, but that's not the case in this situation. What we did is we ended up throwing on a hitch that was seemed like the simpler thing to begin with. We didn't know why. We really welded, put it on, and we drove very anxiously at first, but uh, we did it. We went, and we were successful, and we got here at 2 a.m. Next day, we're looking for a spot, campsite, a little campsite stress. What kind of spot will we get? Will we get a nice one? Will we get a private one? Will we get one near the river? The river is important to me because every day I go and clean myself in the river of my sins and my dirty self because I go running and stuff like that, or at least I used to run. So we find a great spot, a spot that we always like, number 26 at Convict Lake, California. We get it, we go in, and we're perfect. Set up. Start of our vacation. Now we're waiting for our friends. They're going to come up the next day, so we secure a spot for them the next day, right? Okay, site 31, great spot, amazing spot. If it feels like this episode is a little heavy on the campground spot picking, then it is. Then you're right. Good observation. Chris Coy and Irene are supposed to be here somewhere around 1 o'clock. They end up getting here at 8.30. A little frustrating, to be honest. But that's okay. It's okay with us. End up hanging out with them. That is fun. We end up having a pretty good time. My family comes up, blah, 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 blah. And things are different, right? They are every time. I've been coming up here since 1986 or thereabouts when I was a kid. And uh, it's the same mountain range. There's something beautiful in the fact that what I love about camping, one of the many things I love about camping, especially in this spot that I've been going to since I was a kid, is that Disneyland, your neighborhood, your friends, your family, everything changes every single year. But the mountain range and the campsite here is about the same. And that kind of feels good. I don't know if that's good because most of my life I try and stay inconsistent. Uh, Not in a bad way. I mean, that's kind of like I've always said that people say jack of all trades, master of none. And I used to take that as an insult. But now I'm a jack of all trades and master of all. So that's the new wave, dude. Because dude is awesome, right? That's what they say. Millennials, I generation. We don't have to do just one thing, right? Even though I'm Gen X, don't tell anyone. Um... So we come up here and we're uh, enjoying each other's company. You know, everything that you have as far as expectations, if it's met, wow, what a boring life you must have. Mine aren't. I expect things from my parents to be a certain way. I haven't seen my brother, Stephen, even a little this trip, but that's because he's with other friends, friends that I have, some of them that were in common with me in my 20s, but I've moved on from because I am no longer a drinker. Is that because I don't like them? No. Is it because they're bad people? No. Is it because they still drink? Yes, because for me, that doesn't work, and I have to take care of myself, right? That's therapy. Go talk to a therapist. They'll tell you that. Anyway, so am I hanging out with my little brother like I used to? No. Am I hanging out with my wife? Absolutely, and it was good. So a couple days later, I'm looking at my big bush of beard. You see my big bush of beard? Facebook, Instagram, check it out. Probably even on the show. I think it's the cover. And I grew my beard, and there's a purpose to this story, so hang with me. I grew my beard in March. 2017, maybe 16, and uh, it was during an anniversary of my wife and mine, and we come up here during the winter season and uh, stay in a cabin, and I was looking at myself, and I saw that I was still pretty thick. I had quit drinking. I had really taken a strong look at my diet. I was in Weight Watchers, and I still felt like, ugh, this just isn't me, man. 
I don't look the way I want to look, I don't feel the way I want to feel, and I'm going to go into a rebuild mode, and that was the genesis of the beard. Where I grew out my facial hair, and I said, I don't want people to look, look at me like they used to when I was all thin and actory, and be like, oh, you should be a movie star, you're so handsome, blah, blah, blah. I know, again, that's complaining about a thing that's positive, but you have things that you're really good at, and people tell you should do, and you get upset, so I said, I'm going to grow a beard so no one looks at me, and I did, for two years. So, I told my wife, I'm like, what do you think about shaving my beard? <laughs> her shaving my beard, yes. Uh, and she's like, no, I've gotten used to it. Okay. A couple of days later, thinking about shaving my beard. She's like, oh, okay. And I talk about, you know, what my look could be like. I show her some pictures from my phone. We're still undecided. It's so funny because she started not liking this about me. She's like, yeah, I, I think it looks stupid. I think it looks bad for probably a year. And uh, I make it har- sound harsher than it was. Maybe it was more mild than that. But the memory is what it is. <laughs> it's an excuse for me trying to paint things in the way I want them to be. But she got used to it. That's her, Gina. She gets used to things. Um, at first, they're foreign. She doesn't know what they're like. And then once she's used to them, that might as well just be the way it is forever. So she had a hard time deciding she wanted it gone. But I figured it had, u- it had worn out its usefulness. I was no longer a rebuild in progress, which is what the beard stood for in my life as a metaphor and as a real beard. You couldn't tell if I was smiling. I kind of looked sad a lot, I guess, because I had such a thick mustache and such a thick beard. I was hiding behind it. But I realized I don't need to anymore, especially after what happened with Pow. I've forgiven people. I've moved on. And I'm a lot better place than I was, especially even starting with this show. So I said, I'm going to shave my beard. I'm nervous. I mean, it's like an appendage at this point. It's two years. I mean, it's not an appendage, but it's my beard, and it's two years old, and I've had it forever, and I'm used to it. We go down to the Mammoth Lakes Ride Aid, not a sponsor, but we go down there, and we get a razor, an inexpensive one, $19 on sale for $9.99. This is a really weird episode. Hold on. We go back, and I'm like, okay, we're going to shave our beards. We don't have one. Um, I have one. Gina goes, great. We get out the beard trimmer, put in the batteries, go over, and we start trimming my beard with the scissors. Gina's trimming it. And I'm like, Gina, you're not cutting my beard. You're trimming my beard. She's like, well, it's starting to look good. She couldn't give it up. She was too used to it. She couldn't do it. She committed to it. She had decided to do it. We had decided to do it three days in the making now, and she couldn't do it. She couldn't pull the trigger because she was used to it. So I went and sat down and put my head in my hands. This was a giant amount of effort to be able to make such a dramatic choice in my aesthetic something that I had embraced, something to become a part of who I was in the last two years. There are many people I know today because I made a lot of friends in the last two years. It also coincides with my sobriety. I made a lot of friends in the last two years who have never seen me without a beard. I mean, I had people who go, oh, wait, there was a time where you didn't have a beard? And I'm like, yeah, I wasn't born with this. Come on. Only had it for a little while. So it was a really hard decision. So I put my head in my hands and I was just torn because we had made a decision multiple times, not done it, then decided to do it, then convinced ourselves we had to do it, got the razor, she's cutting my beard with her scissors, and she couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. So then I had to make a decision, am I going to do this, or am I just going to keep the beard? But at this point, the adrenaline was so high in doing it, that I would have felt completely, I don't know, out of it by not doing it, because we've been thinking about it. I want to do it in March of this year for our anniversary, which would have been, I think, the second year. So do the math on that. And because that's when I decided to grow it in the first place. And then at my 40th birthday, I'm like, I'll do it the next day of that in the hotel. And then after my party, my surprise party, I'm like, I'll do it after that. So for like the last six months, I've been making suggestions, but she couldn't do it because it's different. She likes the same. I don't. I mean, I fall into the trap of liking the same, but it's not my natural state. Um, I like to shake the ant farm, as I used to say as a kid, but that has a negative connotation. What I like to do is keep things varied. I don't want to solidify myself in one position because that's stagnation. 
That's not what we're here for, in my opinion, how I feel, based on a lot of stuff, but mostly feeling. We're here to do something, right? We're here to vary things. Your life should be chapters and make those chapters as clear as possible. I lived here. I did this. I was with this person. I looked this way. I did these things. Now I don't, right? So finally, I just grabbed the scissors and started chopping. I just said, enough is enough. My adrenaline is up. I'm going to do it. By the way, you heard my dog barking in the background. She's mad at the uh, campground host. So I started chopping, and Gina's like devastated and can't believe it, and I keep chopping and keep chopping. And then finally, she brings over a mirror, and I start shaving and shaving and shaving. And I had this inkling for a while that I should grow my mustache or keep my mustache. When I was a kid, my first facial hair was a mustache. I think it's the first one you can grow, but I always liked the idea. Saw these pictures of me years ago with my grandfather when I was putting together an album with him in it. And I said, hey, I kind of look like Henry Cavill in this picture uh, from Mission Impossible with that mustache. And I said, you know, I think I'll do this. Anyway... Very long story, slightly longer. Here it is. I did it. Now I have a mustache. My beard is gone. For a guy with the name Jet, fast, light is a good thing. Matter of fact, I'd gone running for the first time up here, trail running, with my beard. Felt kind of cumbersome, and (laughs) it's not like it was air brakes or (laughs) it was like a parachute, but it did feel slower. And uh, I'll go into trail running in a minute. But I shaved it, and now I have a mustache. I feel lighter. So people started noticing. I got a lot of compliments. This is definitely not what this show is about, so I'm not going to toot my own horn or talk about it, but positive. My mom was blown away. Gina still doesn't know how she feels because golly gee willikers, she has a really hard time embracing change. Here I am. I knew. Didn't kill me. I was attached to an old thing. I got rid of that attachment. I feel good. So the trip goes on, right? One thing I was going to say about trail running that was really important as I come back to it Well, I guess the moral of that story that I just told you is that uh, don't let permanence become a rigidity for rigidity's sake. Don't let homeostasis, which is the state of sameness that your body tries to go into, let you be rigid for no reason other than rigidity. And, oh, that's the way it is. You know how many people I know who are far older than me who are like, oh, yeah, that's how I've always done it. Well, it's wrong, and you don't like it, and you've never liked it. So why don't you do something different? That's what this was about. I have to hold my pizza box right now because the wind is blowing. Um the pizza box that's surrounding my speaker, FYI. So yeah, don't get attached to things, even things that are attached to you, change. So trail running, I actually got to trail run around this lake. It's about three miles, beautiful run. I've done it for years, especially when I started, started getting into running in my late 20s. I hadn't done it in like five years. Physical issues, ankles, shoulders, stuff like that. Uh, drinking prevented me. And I went on that run, man, and it was beautiful. It was wonderful. I might not be as fast as I used to. I might not be... 29 again, I shouldn't even say might not be, I am not, but it was incredible to do something like that, and it was just a blast to be able to be in the kind of shape I can be to do that again. And today I got to do it with my mustache, take out my little uh, spoiler for a run. That was a lot of fun too, camping. As usual, what is this episode about? You tell me. I got rid of something that was the last piece of my old world. I've sold everything I bought when I was drinking, I've changed every relationship I had hurt when I was drinking. I am not the same human that I was two years ago. And I have the capability of changing that. And so do you. Three years ago, I started getting in shape. And today is a result of those three years. I've said it before, but I think it's worth saying again. Two years from now, one year from now, three years from now, I always go in a weird order with those numbers if you listen to the show. But you're going to arrive. How you arrive there is your choice. And then you get somewhere. And uh, I'm pretty happy with where I've gotten. And now I've changed the last thing that I need to change to go forward. 
Am I trying to write a book about this show or in the same vein of this show? And is that difficult for me with my wife? Yes. Will I tell you more about that in the next episode? Hopefully. But remember, I can't prepare for these episodes because if I do, then it'll sound like it. And I'll sound like I'm preaching to you, which is never the goal. So I am Jet Dunlap. This is Psychotherapy coming at you from 7,800 feet above sea level in the eastern Sierra Nevadas at Convict Lake, California. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll talk to you next time.